How you feel, gang? Man, that was, that was some great worship. Can we just praise the Lord right now one more time? Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. All right, I'm so glad all of you guys are here, chose to worship here at Oso Creek this morning. For all of you that are streaming online right now, we want to say welcome. Thanks for joining us. I'm Pastor Greg. Just want to welcome everybody. Tell somebody next to you, say welcome. No, somebody that's not your spouse, can't be your family. Give somebody a high five right next to you, just say hello, okay? Hey, I want to commend Oso Creek. Listen, there was a need uh, a couple weeks ago that was emailed by uh, Christine Bentley. At, for, she works at Baker Middle School. And there's a lot of children that, 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 that um, they needed backpacks. A lot of kids did not have backpacks. And so she's like, could, do you think Oso could do a backpack drive? And we're like, yeah, definitely. Man, praise the Lord, guys. I don't know how many are back there, but there's like four or five Amazon boxes. They have been coming in. She talked to her, her principal and she said she started crying immediately. Listen, this may just seem like a piece of plastic, but for a child, this can mean an awful lot. So thank you for being the hands and feet of Jesus this week. Come on, can we just praise the Lord for that too? They'll be taking that this week and giving those to the kids. And so it's awesome, man. Awesome, awesome. Hey, real quick, before we get to the word, I want us to, to say a word of prayer for some needs that have been brought before us this morning. And, and if you'll just join me in praying for these this morning. God, we did thank you for the service so far. Thank you for... for your word that we're about to talk about and unpack and how your word's gonna to speak to so many hearts. I know this morning, Lord. God, we pray for Jordan Griffin right now, Lord, Jake's wife, Pastor Jake. The reason why he's not here leading this morning is his wife, Jordan, has, has really suffered the last few days with, with massive back spasms. And we just lift her up right now and pray that you would just give her rest physically, Lord, and, and, and give them both rest mentally and emotionally. You lay your hand upon her and touch her, God. Lord, touch Rick's mom who said, he told me this morning, she's, she's, about, she's at the place where she's about to go on to be with her Savior, Jesus Christ. And we pray for the family right now that you would help them. Pray for Lisa Cadell as well, that you would just give her a physical touch. And Lord, we lift up the nation of Israel. We continue to pray for them, Lord, that you would just keep them the apple of your eye, that you would watch over them and, and give their leaders wisdom, Lord, and, and, and just have your way in that region and, and, and just move in that situation, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen? All right, let's get to the word this morning. Get, if you've got a Bible, go to Genesis chapter 15. I've got about a five-hour message to pack into... Two hours, all right? <laughs> Woo! Don't leave. I see. You. Oh, it's Polly. He's not leaving. Never mind. Sorry, Polly. <laughs> Dude, I'm so excited about this message this week, next week's message, and even the week after that, man. I can't wait. Um, we're continuing our series, Hello, My Name is God, and, and we're, we're unpacking a, a new name that God reveals himself with. You may be like, well, go to multiple gods. No, it's one God, but he, he reveals himself in different names throughout scripture so we can better understand him and know him and love him better and understand his attributes and his characteristics and, and really who God is, okay? And, and the more we know about God through his revealed names, man, it, it impacts our prayer life, it impacts our walk with Christ, it impacts how we live and it really helps our faith as well. And our foundational text for this, or verse for this series, Psalm 34, 3 is, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. And that's what I want us to do as we work on this series, as we learn about God in his revealed names, we're gonna magnify the name of the Lord. 
This little section got it, all right? It's like a little pie right here, okay? Because that gang, that's what you were created to do, to worship and glorify the Lord and to magnify his name, amen? So let's read our text today. We're gonna learn a little bit about a man named Abram. This is the Israelite patriarch Abraham. His name has not been changed yet by God. This happens in Genesis 17, where, where God changes Abram and Sarai's name to Abraham and Sarah. So he's still Abram here, all right? So let's read, starting with verse one in Genesis 15. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man, speaking of Eleazar of Damascus, I love that name for some reason, okay? Uh, This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, look toward heaven, number the stars, if you're able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And I love verse six. And he, Abram, believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. Let's unpack this a little bit for context, okay? About 10 years prior to this, around a decade, God had made a promise to Abram, it's in Genesis 12, that God was going to lead him to a bountiful and a beautiful land and that he would have numerous offspring, numerous offspring, okay? He's gonna be a great nation is what God said, all right? So after a long journey, Abram and his nephew Lot began to settle in this land that God led them to, the land of Canaan. Lot, his nephew, gets attacked by a coalition of pagan kings and Lot and and his family and everyone is, is kidnapped. So Abram and his servants go to their rescue. It's like, mount up, boys, let's go get Lot, all right? And they, and they do that, all right? They go against these kings. They defeat this coalition of kings. They rescue Lot and all of those who had been captured. And here's the thing. Abram could have taken all of the spoils from this little skirmish and war, but Abram takes none of the spoils of battle. Instead, he lets others divide the spoils. Abram's very humble here. And he doesn't take anything from the battle. Again, all this was recorded in the previous chapter of Genesis chapter 14. The whole chapter 14 is about what I just said, okay? That's why our text this morning in verse 1 says, after these things, it connects all the things that I just mentioned of of Lot and being captured and Abraham going out and, and then Abram not taking any of the spoils or the booty of the war, all right? Well, God speaks to Abram and says, fear not, I'm your shield. Your reward will be very great. Like I mentioned, Abram had a right to the spoils of war. But for humble reasons, he passed on those. And now God is telling Abram, hey, your reward from me is going to be great. But, but Abram was probably like, what, Lord? Capital L-O-R-D? 
Notice that he says Lord there. It's a key point, spelled with a capital L. He's like, Lord, what reward? You promised me that I have numerous offspring, but I have no children, nada, zilch, no heir at all. <laughs> He's like, and if I, in fact, if I die right now, the steward of my household, okay, the highest ranking non-family member, Eleazar of Damascus, not even with a, of Damascus, all right, he's going to be the heir of all that I have. If we look into Abraham's heart right now, he's most likely very disappointed, very discouraged. He feared for his future. He and his wife had long passed childbearing age, okay? They had made it to the land of Canaan. God had led them there. They didn't own any of the land yet. They had no children, none at all. And now he's bringing this up to God. It's like, God, you talk about reward, but you promised me, you promised that I'd be a great nation, that my name would be great, that those who blessed me would be blessed as well, that I would have a lot of offspring. God, I can't be a great nation if I don't even have a single heir. It's like old Abe is telling God, what good would the entire world do me, Lord, if I don't have an heir that you promised to me? I love God's response. God's like, Abram, I got this. No worries. I mean, that's the literal rendering of Hebrew right there, okay? Abram, I've got this. No worry. This dude from Damascus is not going to be your heir. Your own flesh and blood will. And then God does something amazing. He says, go outside, Abram. Look up in the sky, man, okay? Try to count the stars, that's how many offspring you'll have. And it's awesome. I, I'm real big into memes and gifts. Anybody else out there? Anybody? You like those? Three people? All right. Well, we won't talk about this then. Never mind. Uh, no. I just saw this reel on Instagram, and it, it has William Defoe. He's a really good actor. And this scripture is superseded on. It's like a star of skies. And he's just like, oh, oh, oh. And it's like, see if you can count the. And Abram was probably like that. It's like, one, two, three. Oh, oh. Oh, you know what I mean? I want to say one, two, three, four, five. No, it's like, God's like, count them, Abram. That's going to be the number of your children, okay? What was Abram's response? Nah, God, I don't think so. I'm not so sure, God. There's no way. No, the word says, Abram simply believed the Lord. God was like, I'm going to do this for you. And Abram said, okay, God. I believe it. See, Abram knew that if God, the creator, Elohim, which we talked about for two weeks, Genesis 1.1, if God, the creator, Elohim, was powerful enough to create all of the stars in the sky that he was gazing at, that God was powerful enough to do what he promised even through an old man. Abraham let that sink in and he believed it. And so Abraham rested his life and his faith in his Lord, Adonai. Adonai, that's the name that we're gonna unpack this morning. You see, in verse three of our text, Abraham answers God by saying, O Lord God, the Hebrew word for Lord here is the name for God. It's Adonai, which means Lord or Master. Lord or Master. So when he says God, Lord God, now that's the Hebrew name for Jehovah that we get to talk about next week. 
And I can't wait. That's the covenantal, relational God. It's personal, okay? But what we see here in this first mention of the Hebrew name for God, Adonai, is that Abram declared Jehovah God, not just this great entity that's way huge and out there. No, but he's Adonai, Lord. He's his master, and Abram is surrendering to him. Did you catch that? Abram acknowledges Jehovah God as his Lord and master, and he was surrendering to him. He acknowledged that God owned everything about him. God owned his life, and so he bows his knee to his Lord and master. Literally, this is Abram saying, my Lord, Yahweh. That's the phrasing that a servant would use to address his master. In the Jewish textual tradition, it's like Abraham is saying, Master God, Adonai Jehovah, Adonai Jehovah. So, okay, Greg, what are you trying to say? All right, listen, I want to unpack a lot, but look, a lot of times in life, we can, might find ourselves at a point in life where we are disappointed, where we're fearful, Maybe we feel discouraged or frustrated and we may look at what God has promised us and like Abram say, no way, where's the promise? I don't see it happening. But gang, that's when the miraculous happens because Adonai steps in, our Lord and our master, amen? Adonai is used 434 times in the Old Testament. You ever notice in your Bible that, that if anytime you see the word Lord, it's usually spelled one of two ways. There's either L-O-R-D with a capital L or there's L-O-R-D and they're all caps. How many have seen that before in your Bibles? Okay, capital letters, Lord, that is what we're gonna talk about next week. That's Jehovah God, that's Yahweh. Anytime you see L, capital O-R-D, it's Adonai. Every time, it's Adonai, Lord and Master. And in ancient times, and actually not so ancient, especially a time period that I'm a big fan of, uh, medieval times, it's a good restaurant, it's very fun, if you ever get to go, medieval times, I've been, I go every time I get a chance in those vacation spots, all right, and I'm like, oh, that's all right, I won't yell what I yell, but that's okay, uh, anyway, um, but it's a lot of fun, okay, but during the medieval times, whomever was considered the lord of the estate or the castle or the place was master of it all, right? And the Lord of the castle or the manor or the place could do whatever he wanted to. So a Lord is considered someone with authority, control, or power over others. A Lord is considered someone with authority, control, or power over others. The Lord of the castle, I love saying that, man. I'm gonna put a sign up in my house. Sir Isaacs, the Lord of the castle, okay? <laughs> Etsy, I think I can get that on Etsy, all right? But I don't know, Megan probably would like, like that, okay, anyway, all right. But anyway, the Lord of the place, the castle, the manor, owned, literally owned everything and everyone. The Lord owned all the land, all the livestock, all the horses, all the animals, all the vegetation, all the trees on the land, all the creeks, ponds, lakes, streams, all the water, all right? He owned all of the people working on the land and in the castle and the house. Since he owned it, he had authority and control over it all. He 
owned it all because he was the Lord or the master of that, okay? So Adonai declares, this revealed name of God, Adonai declares God's ownership. Adonai declares God's ownership. You say, whoa, 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 PG. I, let me sip here real quick. All right, wait a minute, wait a minute. God is up in heaven, okay, looking down on us. What exactly does God own? Here's some foundational truth for you this morning. You ready? You ready for this foundational truth? God owns everything. Everything, gang. How many of you have heard the phrase, God owns a cattle on a thousand hills? A few of you? Okay. Uh, there was a song sung by John W. Peterson. It starts out with these words. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills and the wealth in every mine. <laughs> Not only does God own the cattle, but he owns all the hills as well. This is scriptural. Listen to Psalms 50, verse 10 through 12. For every beast of the forest is mine. The cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the hills and all that moves in the field is mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you. For the world, the world and its fullness are mine, says the Lord. Woo. He owns it all, gang. But we don't like that, do we? Right away, that, that punches our pride. That hits us. In our hearts, we don't like that. Why? Because we want to own it all. Like a favorite band would sing, you know, I want it all, right? <laughs> That's, that is the essence of humanity. We want it all. We want to own and control. We love the word mine. <laughs> I mean, remember that one movie? It's a, like Finding Dory, you know, or... Uh, Finding Nemo, mine, 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 all those seagulls going crazy. Then mine, 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 right? That describes humanity perfectly because everyone's going around thinking mine, mine, mine. I got to get mine. I got to get the hustle. It's mine. That's mine. This is what I'm owed. This is what I deserve. It's all mine. I mean, don't we learn this at the earliest of ages? I mean, <laughs> Part of a, a kid's early lexicon has the word mine in it, right? And they learn that super fast in their development. A kid sees a toy laying there all by itself on the, on the ground. He, he or she scampers over and picks it up. Well, what does the other kid that owns that toy do? Run over there, grabs and goes, mine, <laughs> right? Mine. I mean, right now, this morning, if somebody got out in your ride or your car, okay, and they took off, what are you going to yell? Hey, that's mine. <laughs> That's my kind. Now, some of you may say, go take it. I'll turn it on the insurance and I'll get a new one, all right? But the majority would be like, that's mine, right? Gang, we have an innate desire to want to own everything, right? But gang, listen to me. You and I, we don't own anything. We don't own one thing. But Greg, I work for it. I saved up for it. I bought it. I traded for it. It's mine. It's my precious, right? Lord of the Ring fan there, okay. It may seem that way, but who gave you the talents and the abilities and the skill for your jobs? Who opened the door for you to get that training, to get that education? Who lined things up for you to get that job? I'll tell you who did. God Adonai did. 
God Adonai did. So newsflash here, also all the stuff that we think we own is mine, that we've achieved, we've worked for, it could be gone that fast. That fast. Our brother Rick, where is he, right there? Told us about that, gave a testimony at the men's retreat about how just like that, everything could be taken and gone. Just like that. Listen, God is not only owner of everything, not only does he own everything, but God is the master of everything and everyone. He's the master of everything and everyone. That's, that's some of the essence of Adonai, Lord and master. So many people falsely think they are the masters of their own fate, the masters of their own lives, authors of their own destinies. How many people, how many have heard people say those statements? I'm the author of my own destiny. I'm the master of my own fate. And they believe that we can be masters of the universe. We can be like He-Man and She-Ra, all right? But not so much a cartoon. Listen, we think we can be masters of our own little universes down here on planet Earth, right? Masters of our own fate. Masters of our own lives. It's our own personal universe and we own it. That's a lie from the enemy. It's a lie from the enemy. Now, God Adonai is the only master of everything and everyone. You know, we can, we can oftentimes we can be like a kid that's at a fair or amusement park and riding this kiddie ride that I remember my girls riding so often when they were little. It's, there's a car on a track. Usually it just would go in a circle. Sometimes it would go, you know, in a little path, all right? But there was a track that led it and the kids, they had a, a fake steering wheel, okay? And they would turn it like this and like this and, and, and you know, and something, and they would really think they're driving the car. And we're like, oh, you're doing good. <laughs> Wait till you're 16, you know, that kind of a thing, all right? <laughs> all right? But they had that fake steering wheel and they really think they're the ones driving. There's a lot of people today that think that when they think about their lives, they think they're the ones driving, gang. Listen, you just have a fake steering wheel. You know that? You really do. Now, it is true. God, God gives us choices, and, and we reap what we sow. That's biblical, all right? But God, Elohim, all-powerful, creator, sovereign God, our lives are owned by him and are totally in his hands. He's our master. He's our Adonai. So not only does he own everything and he's the master of everything, but God is the Lord, the Lord over everything and everyone. The Lord. You see, when Abram said these words, Adonai, Adonai Yahweh, Adonai Jehovah, he was declaring Yahweh the relational, covenantal God. He was declaring him Lord over his life. Abram recognized God's lordship over him. Gang, this is so important to see. And with that, God could command him as he desired and Abram was going to obey because God was his Lord and master, his Adonai. The psalmist writes in Psalm 16, 2, I say to the Lord, Jehovah, you are my Lord, Adonai. I have no good apart from you. Everything good I have comes from you. 
Guys, the truth is this, everything, and I mean everything you have that's good has come from the Lord Adonai because he's Lord over it and he owns it all. I hope you can understand that this morning. You, you don't own anything. He does. You are not Lord over you or your life. You are not Lord over your stuff. He is. He is, right? And lordship can mean two things. Two things here. I like, there, there's a, a pastor, theologian. He's actually the Southwest Baptist Theological Seminary president. His name Ken Hemphill. And he, he brings two things out here about lordship that I really like that I want to unpack. Number one, lordship means possession. This is really, I really pray that we understand what Adonai being the Lord over everything means. Lordship means possession. Psalm 24, 1, the psalmist writes, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. It doesn't say 70% or 20%. No, it says the, 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 the earth and its fullness and all of those who dwell in it are the Lord's. We are the Lord's. We're his gang. The New Testament writers concur with this truth. Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 2, 9 through 10, but you're a chosen race a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 3.23, you are Christ's. Tell that to somebody next to you. You're Christ's. You don't own yourself. You're not a self-made man or a self-made woman. You're God's. You're Adonai's, and he is Lord. Amen? Can we just praise him for that? Come on, amen? So lordship not only means possession, but lordship also means submission. Submission. You're right away. Whoa, whoa, Greg. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't like that word. Whoa, Greg. I don't like that word, submission. Okay? Just skip through it. No. Lordship means submission. This is what we see exampled in our text with Abram. He believed, and even though he had some questions, he was showing a little doubt, he believed and he submitted to his Lord, Adonai. Okay, lordship is all about submitting to the Lord. Because when you talk about lordship, there's one who's in control and there's one who's in submission. And if we do not place God in control and submit to the Lord, then what happens? Then we try to place ourselves in control and we try to get God to submit to us. Ooh, what do I mean by that? We try to get God to conform to our wishes, our wants, our desires, and our demands. We can try to flip it to where we are the master and God is kind of the servant. Don't believe me? How many people treat God like he's a genie in a lamp? Whoa, Lord, yeah. Give me my wishes, God. Or they try to get God to do their bidding. Or they demand that God does certain things or answer prayers in a certain way or else. Or else, you're gonna say that to the Lord, or else, Right? And even the big one, if something doesn't work out or maybe we have a loss, and I see this a lot, Maybe a loss in a family or loss of someone. All of a sudden, we, we get upset at God. We blame God. And, we're, and then we're like, oh, I'm going to punish you, God. 
I'm not going to serve you anymore. I'm not going to go to church anymore. Really? Who's the master here? Who's submissive here, huh? You see, when it comes to Adonai, we push back on this name of God, the Lord, the master of our own lives. Because we want to be the boss. I like old school WWE wrestling, and there was a wrestler that I love. He's called the Big Boss Man. Anybody remember that guy? Dude, he's a big old guy. We're like a police outfit, and they called him the Big Boss Man. There's a lot of people that want to try to be like the Big Boss Man. We want control. We want to call the shots. We want to be demanding. And when we talk about God's names, we have no problem with Elohim, creator God. That's awesome. Yeah, Yahweh, relational, covenantal God, awesome. El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one, yes. Jehovah Shalom, our peace, I love that. Jehovah Jireh, my provider, high five. We love the covenantal compound names of God that we'll get to because we get blessings from the Lord. These are ways that God blesses us in our lives with peace and righteousness and and covering and our banner and so many wonderful things. But we push back at master and Lord. It's like, whoa! I want to be the Lord of my life. We want to own it. We want things to go our way. Sinatra sang it the best. You know, I did it my way. That's the credo of many humans. Megan and I were watching a show the other night and a Burger King commercial came up and I quickly grabbed my phone because I was like, dude, I got to write that tagline down because I can use that in my sermon because I'm always on, all right? You know what I mean? (laughs) Just kidding. But the commercial ended by saying, Burger King, have it your way. Okay, and that's been a tagline for Burger King for a long time. But they've added something. You know what they said? Burger King, have it your way, you rule. I was like, dude, that's good sermon material. All right. But gang, that's humanity, right? Have it your way. You rule. Do what you want to. You rule. Have your truth because you rule. You're your own master. You rule. Live however you want to because you rule. Love whomever you want to because you rule. Just be happy. Forget about what God's word says about sexuality and gender. Have it your way because you rule. I think there's many paths to heaven and that's okay. We can have it our way because we rule. Go ahead, cheat on your spouse. Just be happy. You rule. We want to go around and proclaim like one family in a movie. They kept going, oh, Doyle's rules. Oh, Doyle's rule. All right. If you know, you know. All right. But we want to go around going, I rule. That's... That's the pride of humanity. I rule. And the name of God, Adonai, smacks against that. And we're face to face with Elohim God, the all-powerful, supreme creator God. He's like, no, you don't. I am Adonai. I rule. But we don't, you know, things like we don't like driving the speed limit, right? We don't like doing what we're told. Many people don't live their lives following God's holy word as the truth and the rule and the authority of how they they live. And even now, and I've mentioned this, people are like, you know what? I want it my way. I don't like what God's word says here. So I'm I'm not gonna believe that part of it. I'll believe this and this and this and this, but not here because I rule because I'm calling the shots. 
We want to be king. We want to be Lord. We want to rule. Gang, that will never work in God's economy. We do not rule. We only drool, all right? <laughs> and that's the truth. Some of you need to wipe your mouth right now. There can be only one Lord and one master. Hear me. There can be only one Lord and one master. And here's a hint. You and I are not him. And he rules. And Adonai means we have to submit to him in our lives. And then this establishes the parameters of who's Lord, who's master, and then who's the servant. And and when we submit to his plans and his purposes and his will and his way and his authority and his leading and his sovereignty and doing the things he wants and living after him and for him and believing in him, even when things are questionable in our lives, even when things aren't going like we think they should be going, even when things are rough and hard and difficult, we still get on our knee and we say, Adonai, You're my Lord, and I'm going to follow you, and I'm going to submit to you, Lord. Praise the Lord. Hmm. Praise God. You know, a great example of this, and I know we're rolling. we got to take communion, so I'm almost done. Sound cool? I love this message, though. A great great example of this, and me and Megan have observed it firsthand. Great example of this is is our, our... are, are great people who serve in our military. They exemplify this so much. Megan and I have seen how in the military, you, you know, and you probably agree, your life is not really your own. Any military in here? Yeah, right? Right, okay. I mean, the military, government, they're the owner and they tell you where to live and where to go. And you know, when you enlisted, you submitted to that ownership. And we've personally seen great friends have to get up and move and move their families and be stationed all over the world all over the world. And none of our friends ever rose up against the, the military government demanding, you know, no way, we're not gonna do it. No, it doesn't work that way, does it, guys? And, and ladies, right? No. When they said go, they went. And, and that makes us appreciate those in the military all the more, all the more for their sacrifice. That's a great example of, of lordship means submission to the Lord. He's the right, God is the rightful you know, owner of everything and he can rightly and justly require our worship and our obedience and our submission. So as I bring this down to close, look, we're not owners, we are simply stewards. We're simply stewards. If you're a fan of the TV show and movie Downton Abbey, you know, all the staff and the servants of, of Lord Grantham's estate, they, were, they weren't owners, they're just stewards. They served him. Imagine what would happen if the the stewards tried to become the owners. Old Crowley wouldn't have it, right? Okay. Listen, we are to steward what Adonai has blessed us with, and and we can be good stewards by serving him, by serving him. Um, I read what one pastor suggested that people sit down in their devotional time, and I like this, and take out some, some paper, make out a deed, and sign everything you own over to God. I like that. It's a really great way to bring to the point that God is the owner of everything and everything we have comes from him and, and, and his and Adonai and we are stewards of it all. And this pastor wanted to continue said there's a Christian couple in his church that really took this ownership to heart and they knew God gave, that owned everything and they actually, they did that. They deeded everything to the Lord and a few weeks later, the man came to the pastor and said, the Lord's washing machine quit. <laughs> 
<laughs> and, he, and he mentioned that in the past that would have got him all frustrated and, and, and upset. But this time his wife and him knelt down in front of the washing machine and said, Lord, your washing machine has broken down. What do you want us to do about it as stewards? And after praying and talking to a repairman, they determined that the Lord needed a new washing machine and thanked him that he provided for that and they bought one. Amen. We're stewards. Here's the truth this morning. When we're talking about Adonai and Lord Master. Have you made Jesus not only your Savior, but your Lord? After the resurrection, Jesus appeared to the disciples and look what Thomas proclaimed after feeling Jesus' hands and feet. John 20, 28, Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. My Lord there, the Greek of the New Testament is koreos, koreos. And that's the Greek word that's equivalent to Adonai in the Hebrew. So basically what Thomas is saying, my Adonai and my God. The apostle Paul writes in Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, koreos, Adonai, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. You know, we like to treat Jesus as our buddy, our homeboy, you know, yeah, Jesus, boy, right? And there's been a movement of, of what we call hyper grace in church circles, hyper grace, and then where Jesus is your best friend, he's your buddy, and you know, I have a little bobblehead of Jesus on my car, yeah, woo, we're rolling, Jesus, Right? Or even like I said, we treat him like a genie. And some will get Christian and say the Christianese, oh, Jesus is my co-pilot, right? Jesus wants the keys, gang. He wants the keys. He wants us to sing like the old the singer, Jesus take the wheel, right? Christ wants our hearts. He wants us to submit to his lordship over all of our lives and not hold anything back, not to try to live for ourselves, but to live for him and to submit to him as Lord Adonai, master and owner of it all, to bow before him and say, Adonai, my Lord, I am yours. And I ask, is there anything in your life, in your heart, that you've not submitted to the lordship of Christ? A habit, an attitude, a lifestyle, a hobby, a possession, your control, your job, your money. Megan talked about giving tithes and offerings. Is it control? Oh, I'm not going to tithe. I'm not going to give. Your family, your kids, your marriage, your will, your desires, your fill in the blank. But Greg, that aspect, it's just such a little thing. It's, it's just a small little area of, your, of my life. Surely God won't mind if I keep it embedded and nice. No, he will mind. Because if you're not submitting it all to him, he's not fully Lord. He wants all of you. Mark 12, 28 and 31. Hudson Taylor made a great quote. Christ is either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. Whoa, drop the mic, Hudson. Did you hear that? Christ is either the Lord of all, or he's not Lord at all. And if those are gonna be handing out communion, if they'll come up right now and take their place in the aisles, 
Trust me. Listen to this truth. Everyone who's ever lived or who's alive now or whoever will live, listen, every single person will at some point confess that Jesus is Lord Adonai. The time to do it is now. Because then, for those that do it it now, it's going to be a judgment time, and that is not good. Philippians 2, verses 9 through 11, the apostle Paul writes, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and even under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's the Greek word for, for, that means Adonai, Kerios, Adonai, that Jesus is the Lord, praise the Lord. So do it now, submit to his lordship, bow before him as Lord, say yes to him, follow him. He died for you, he went to the grave for you, he rose again for you so you and I can have life. So who do you serve, Adonai or yourself? If you're serving yourself, it's a fool's game, a fool's game. Who's sitting on the throne of your heart and life?